You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. I love moments in worship. I love what God does in those moments where there's really no words that you can use to describe what God is doing in that time. And he just moves on your heart. And it's just such a powerful moment in God and such a a great way to just be able to rest in him, hey? We've been talking about rest for the last month. Who's enjoyed it? Yep, I definitely have. And today we are finishing the series on rest, which I feel a bit sad about if you think of it just like a series. But when you think about what God's done for the last month, I know that really this isn't the end of a series. This is a new way of thinking. This is a new way of doing life. This is a new paradigm by which we're going to live, a new standard, which I know I am going to live by. And so I'm really kind of excited to see what's next, like what God's going to do in these next coming months. And so I hope that you guys are too. This is not the end. It's really just the beginning of a life of rest. So we have established over the last month that rest is not inactivity, right? That it's not just a rest for a tired body, but we've been talking about rest for our soul and being able to live like that and have, a, I guess, a state of being in rest all the time. And it results in us living a life that is free and full of the peace of God in our world. And so that's kind of where we're starting today. And it doesn't matter what's going on around us, that the circumstances that are happening in our lives, we can still live in that place of rest. And it's, I find it really funny that I get to speak on rest today. And, and I had to speak on rest a couple of weeks ago at Northwest. And I think it's actually hilarious because I'm not the kind of person who you would look at and go, oh, she's a restful person. Oh, yeah, I get that. Well, you know, Harv's shaking his head at me. Well, I hope that's going to change. But I... I really am, I think that God's funny because for the last two years, he has been talking to me for, about rest. And when I think about it, he's probably been talking to me for a lot longer. And I'm like, yeah, I've got it. I get it. I need to rest. I'll go on a holiday. I'm fine. It'll be okay. Amy thinks I go on holidays all the time. That's not true. But I, I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm good. I, I don't need to worry about it. It's all good. And then... God got me to speak on rest twice this month, not just once. I'm, I love that I get to speak once in a series, but this time I got two opportunities. And I was like, God, what are you saying? And then I really had to seek him and really had to say, God, what have you been trying to tell me for the last however many years about rest that I haven't been getting? And so it's been a really good process for me that God has gotten my attention. So here I am, this is me, committed to living a life of rest, okay? You can keep me accountable. You can keep me accountable because I am declaring it in front of you all. It's not just a series. This is a lifestyle for me. This has been a transformative moment in my world. The scripture that we're going to go to today is from Proverbs. Who loves Proverbs? Yes. 
And I, I love this scripture. It's my favorite scripture. I had a friend give it to me when I was at uni when I didn't even really know God, but I had it on my fridge and on my board, and I've still got it in my little box of things that she had written it out for me, and I put it up, and, and I used to read it quite a lot. And then it's become my favorite scripture, and it's hilarious to me that it's been my favorite scripture for a billion years, and now... God's really showing me what it means. So he's good and we can keep on learning, right? Even when I'm just about to turn 40, I can keep on learning, right? So Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Now, you might be wondering why I'm reading it, if it's my favorite scripture, because this is from the NLT. And I like the way that the NLT puts it. And so I think that today we're going to come from that place, which Nate is super happy about, as he loves that version. Lord God, today we just declare that your will be done. We thank you, Father, that your word is alive and active. Lord God, we thank you that your word is going to do a transforming work in our hearts today. And Lord, that you are going to reveal something further about you and who you are so that we can come to know you more and that we can live a life that is resting in you, in Jesus' mighty name. So we, last week, Pastor Keith uh, put an acronym on the board, the beginning of an acronym on the board, so you could kind of see where we were going. And if we can pop that up, we can see that we had, we started with restoration, R for restoration, which was basically saying that we can't have restoration without rest. And then we came to enjoyment, which comes when we choose to enjoy our lives in him, always creating space to connect and play. Security, rest isn't about managing my security, it's about faith in him to keep my heart secure. We heard that last week from Pastor Keith. And today we are talking about trust. And this is great. And it's really important. And all of these things are fantastic. But I actually think that we get a better picture if we flick it around. And we look at the acronym the other way. Trust, it doesn't really read anything, but you can see where I'm going. Trust is faith and unwavering belief in him, which then gives us security in him. And with these, we then find rest for our souls, which allows us to find enjoyment with him and restoration in him. So it all kind of works this way in my head. So when we look at it like this, it means that trust is actually the capstone of rest. Trust is actually the imperative. Without trust, we cannot have true rest. It's not possible. It's essential and important. And we won't be restored if we don't trust that God is our restorer. And we won't enjoy the moments we are in if we don't trust that God has provided them and that he is with us through those times. Yeah. We won't find assurance and security if we don't trust that God is our safe place and our refuge. And so trust is so important. Trust is what we need to get our head around or our, more importantly, our heart around to be able to really rest in him. And our first point this morning is that trust brings rest. 
Now, I have got a lot to get through today, so I am going to power through, and you're going to stay with me, right? You're going to keep me, like, excited. I'm really excited that Wayne and Al have decided to sit in this dead spot of our church. I don't know why nobody else wants to sit there, but I, I was thinking, yep, so, yeah, you guys are in the, this spot. You guys are going to get it today. In a good way, not a bad way. Because your birthday, Wayne. Happy birthday. So you're going to be blessed today there. Yeah. <laughs> Trust brings rest. Trust is vital for us to find rest for our souls. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. God is trustworthy. Let me just get that out there now. God is trustworthy. He is the one who I will trust. Let God is not like a normal person who will let us down and who is fallible. He's not, he's not like you and I who, let's face it, there are moments when people probably shouldn't have trusted us with whatever it was that they wanted us to do because we let them down. We've all done it. Psalm 19.7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, flawless, restoring and refreshing the soul. The testimony of the Lord is reliable and trustworthy, making wise the simple. And Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is eternally changeless, always the same yesterday and today and forever. And on numerous occasions throughout the Bible, in Psalms and everywhere, it says God's love is unfailing. All these words, unchanging, unfailing, means that God is the same all the time and that we can trust him. He is who we should be placing our trust in. I don't know about you, but I would prefer to put my trust in somebody who is not going to change and who is the same and who can only speak the truth. The Bible tells us that God cannot lie. He can only speak the truth. So if I... if I'm thinking, well, that's who I want to put my trust in. The Bible tells us and makes it very clear that God is trustworthy. So therefore, we can put our trust in him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. You know, um, I looked up what it meant in the, what trust means in the original language, which I found really interesting because the, the word trust in the original language means to lie helpless face down. Wow. So trust is a posture as much as a mindset or a state of being. The translation also shows how closely trust and rest are connected because you can't lie face down without resting. You're, you've got to rest. You can't, it's, you're not doing anything. You're lying down, not doing anything, therefore resting. And when we, well, like when your body is not doing anything, but when we trust in the Lord with all our heart, we are laying down our heart, our mind, and our whole personality, our soul, our emotions, our mindsets. We're laying it all down and saying, God, we trust you with all that we are. Trust brings rest because we have certainty, assurance, reliance, security, and all of those things that's when it, how it brings rest. There's rest. No reservations. We walk in total confidence. We are giving God authority and surrendering ourselves to him. We are choosing to rest our lives in him, knowing that he is greater than us and his ways are perfect. The scripture then goes on to say, do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do. And our second point today is that trust is an act of surrender. 
Trust is an act of surrender. Now, I don't like war movies. I've, I've, I would much... Ben's devastated about that. But I would much prefer a rom-com or a, a mystery or, you know, something that's a little bit lighter than a war movie. I, I'm not a... I don't like that stuff. I just can't get into it. However... I did watch Wonder Woman. Has anybody seen Wonder Woman? Because yeah. I love the comic, like I love Marvel. And I was a bit shocked because if you haven't seen it, it kind of is, there's like a lot of war stuff in there. So I felt like I was watching a war movie. Um, it's a really good movie. You should watch it. If you don't like it, don't blame me. <laughs> but I was, as I was watching this movie, there is one scene. It's, you know, not a spoiler alert. It's okay. You're allowed to know this bit. Um, I was watching this one scene where Wonder Woman sort of gets up on the wall on the battlefield and she goes out and she basically annihilates the enemy. She makes it like she, she absolutely kicks their butt and they are absolutely needing to surrender and so they do. They surrender because they're the weakest party. They can't do anything. They've got nothing to stand on. They've got no way of getting past Wonder Woman, feminism at its best, let me tell you. And, and so they, there's this place in this movie where the baddies, the, the bad guys, surrender. And I like that. I like it when they have to surrender. And the world would say that when we have to surrender, that we are the weakest party or that we are in a weak place, a weak position, that it is a weak thing to have to surrender. And the world would say that that's really bad, that that's not a good thing, that we have to give up, that we have to stop fighting. But when we look at the word surrender, it means to hand over or to stop resisting and submit to another's authority. And yet on the battlefield, that could be a bad thing. But when it comes to the things of God, the surrendering of our lives is a great strength. The surrendering of the things in our lives means that we're in a position of great strength. I found a quote this week that said, the strongest position that you can be in is that of surrender. Because trusting in the Lord with all that we are causes us, us to acknowledge that we are stronger with him because he is the stronger party. He's God doesn't mean that we're weak, but it means that we're way stronger with him. Rather, that we, what we need to do is not think that we're surrendering because we can't handle it, but because we can handle it better with him. That we'd prefer to rest in him and his purposes than do this on our own. So when I truly trust God, it brings with it a whole new level of confidence, a new ability to withstand the enemy, a new resolve to not allow things to bring me down. And as we surrender to God, we are allowing God to work in and through us by letting go. As part of surrender, we have to let go. Another quote I read this week, sometimes surrender means giving up trying to understand and becoming comfortable with not knowing. You know those things in your life that you say you trust God with, but you don't really? Because you realise that you've taken it back heaps of times. So you say, yeah, God, I trust you with that relationship, no problem. But then you realise along the way that you've, tried, you've taken it back and that you're trying to work it out and you're not actually resting in him for an answer for it or that he's going to restore. You're just trying to make it work. You're just trying to do it on your own. You're just trying to do it in your own strength. 
There's no rest if you're not letting go. God tells us in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, for my thoughts are higher than you, are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I need to remember that I am not the smartest person in the room. I'm not the smartest person in the room. For someone that's like a sigh of relief. God's way smarter than us. He knows the best way for us. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are better than our thoughts. So when we surrender them to him and lean not on our own understanding, that's going to be a better result, right? One area that I find this easiest to see is in finances. So I can say that I trust God with my finances like we were talking about in the offering this morning. But the next moment I am freaking out and trying to make my budget work. Anybody else been there? Yep. So often that has happened. It's It's like my finances are a hot air balloon. And I say to God, you can have my finances. Here you go. And I let them go up in the hot air balloon. But I hold on to that rope and I won't let it go. So they're just floating around, bobbing up there, kind of, you know, doing what they do, finances. And then the minute that I start to freak out, I'm like pulling them back down. Come on back down here. I just need to work this out first and see if I can make this happen and get it all right. And then I'll let you have it again, God. But what God's actually asking me to do is to cut the rope and say, you can have them. They're yours. I'm an accountant. I can work them out. I can make it work. I'll look at it and I'll, I'll get it happening and I'll make sure that the bottom line all figures out. But God's saying, I don't want you to lean on that. I don't want you to worry about it. I want you to trust me with it. Don't lean on your own understanding. Lean on me. Good. I should sing that, shouldn't I? I've got a bit of a cold. It won't sound good. I need to let go of my understanding and let God provide through my surrender. And I've learned that my wisdom and stewardship in finance is partnered with his promises to provide my every need are the perfect combination to allow me to trust in and ultimately rest on his provision in my life. Because he's a good God. And he totally wants us to just let it go and let him work it out. I love the example of Peter in Matthew. It talks about him, you know, when he, um, the, the disciples have been sent out in the boat and it's a bit stormy. Jesus has gone away to pray and then Jesus is, the, the boat is like halfway out in the middle of the lake and Jesus comes down and he starts walking on the water. And the Bible tells us that, um, that in, in that particular situation, Jesus was just going to walk past. But the disciples see him. And uh, they're like, is that you? Is that you, Jesus? And, and, we ta- and Peter says to, uh, he's still not sure, he said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. So Jesus says, come, and Peter steps out. Now, in that moment, Peter trusts Jesus, not his understanding of the way nature works, because there's a storm around him. And there's water that he's about to walk on. And his understanding is that when I step on water, I'm going to sink. 
But instead, he chooses to trust Jesus when he says, come, when he says, step out, come. The surrendering of this understanding for Peter results in probably one of the most amazing experiences of his life, stepping out on water. And yep, he, let, he pulled it back again. And he stopped trusting and he sank. But the reality was Peter was always going to get from point A, one side of the lake, to point B, the other side of the lake. Now, when he decided to step out and walk across that water, he could have continued on and he could have walked all the way with Jesus, but he decided not to. Can you, can you imagine how much more enjoyable the journey would have been for Peter if he had stepped out and continued that walk? Wow. What an amazing story. But he didn't. He stopped and doubted. And, and Jesus was, is awesome. And he picks him up and he uses it as an amazing teaching moment. And we get to learn from it and all of that. So there is good that comes out of that situation. But imagine if he had walked the whole way across. Wow. How much more exciting and enjoyable would that journey have been? We can all do that. We can, there's heaps of stuff we can do on our own understanding. There's heaps of things that we can work out for ourselves and not surrender to Jesus. There's heaps of things that we can do, but God is asking us to give it over to him. Seek him in everything. Allow him to do what he wants to do and make your journey so amazing and enjoyable and restful because you don't have to worry about it. Thank goodness that God is trustworthy and that we can trust him with everything, even when we don't, because, well, the reality is we don't have all the answers. And even when I don't have the answers and I don't know what to do, I just keep seeking him, not leaning on what I can see is the truth, like that what I see is the truth in my world. It's not really my truth. It's just what's happening. The truth is that God can be trusted and that he will work it out. It doesn't mean that we're going to get the answer that we want. It doesn't mean that it's all going to work out the exact way we planned it to work out, that we are going to get from here to there and this is how it's going to happen. That doesn't mean that that's what's going to happen. But we can trust that he is working it out for good, even in the bad. That he is working it out and that he is going to make a way and he's going to make it the right way. Because if we go back to Isaiah, remember that his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts higher than our thoughts. And if we remember that he loves us so much, if we can just combine all of that together and remember that he knows us better than we know ourselves, then he's going to make it happen. When we give it over to him, we surrender it to him, we commit our way to him, it's the green light for him to take the lead and we take our hands off. Psalm 37 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him and he will do this. The more we submit and surrender to him, the more we give over, the more we will be able to rest in him. God impressed on me. I preached about um, trust almost exactly 12 months ago. And I was like, God, what's different? What's different between then and now? And he impressed on me that trust has a compound effect. 
When we trust God with some parts of our lives, the things that in that moment we're like holding on to, we're anxious about or worried about or whatever it might be, when we trust God with those things, then the next time something comes up, it's easier to trust him with that thing because we know that he was faithful the first time. And then it's, so it just keeps on going. So the more we increase trust in trusting God with the things in our world, then the greater the rest is that we're going to have. And so God really impressed on me that to remember that trust has a compound effect. And Proverbs tells us to seek God in all we do in where, and wherever we go. And that the reality is that things change in our life. So there's going to be new things that we need to trust God with, but we might not have a reference point to be able to go, well, oh, well, I trusted him with that last time and it was fine, because it might be something entirely new. But we can trust God because we know that he came through us for us last time, that he made a way last time, even if it's in a completely different area, but that, tr- that trust will continue to build on the last, the, the last time we trusted him. So in the schoolyard, in the workplace, in our darkest hour, in the most joyous of occasions, our career, our parenting, our relationships, marriages, finances, decisions, lives, everything, we can trust him and surrender to him. Because when we do, he will show us which path to take. That's the promise. Trust will keep us on the right track. If we look at the message version, it says, Trust in the Lord from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Breathe. There's a breath that we can take then when we trust God. We trust God with everything. We submit everything to him. We don't lean on our own understanding. He will take us on the right track. And isn't that what we all want? We want to know that we're on the right track. Well, here's the answer. It's not about doing more or trying harder. It's a heart response of surrender to him. Remember back at the beginning where we talked about trust meant to lie down helpless or face down. Trust has a posture of surrender. So how do I trust? How do I trust? Yep, that's great. Awesome. I understand what you're trying to say to me, but how? I want to give you just a couple of practical tips this morning about how we do that. And the first one is to do what I've already kind of told you is to remember what God has already done. If we look in the Bible, it says in Psalm 143.5, I remember the days of old, I ponder your great works and what you have done. Remember. Lamentations 3.21-24 says, Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. We, we have a standard. We look at what he's already done. We know how it feels to trust in one area, and we go back to that point of reference and rest in him. Another thing we can do, which is so important, is we can learn from others. 
So we look at the testimonies of the people around us and see, well, you know what? God came through for them. I can totally trust him with my stuff. And so we look, and that's why it's so important that we talk to each other and tell each other all the great things that God has done in our lives, what he is doing and how he is doing it. We need to be talking about that. Psalm 22.4 says, In you our fathers put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were saved. In you they trusted and they were not disappointed. Look around. Talk to people who have seen God come through in their world. Talk to people who have put their trust in him. Because when we see other people's experience of the goodness of God, that builds our trust, our faith in him as well. And of course, the third thing is we go to the word. Everywhere we've talked today, we have based it on the word of God. His word is our reference. His truth is the reference and surrendering point. And so we can give everything to him, everything that's in front of us, because God is the best option. He's the best option. His word is full of promises and reminders that we can trust in him. We can trust in him. I want to read to you from Matthew chapter 11 which is where this whole journey started for me. It says, So everyone come to me. Are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? Then come to me. I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways and and you will discover that I am gentle, humble and easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me. For all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. This morning, I want to encourage us to learn from him. Put down our to-do list, put down our anxious thoughts and our fears and learn from him. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.